Welcome to The Outcast, the podcast for anyone who has ever felt like an outsider or an outcast. Over the next two episodes, I want to focus on sexual harassment, and I want to offer love and a light to those who have experienced this, those who feel like they've been singled out, abused, verbally or physically, or even both. Those who have spoken out and those who are feeling the weight of secrecy because of fear of moving forward. In the first of this two-part episode, I want to talk about sexual harassment in its most vulnerable form, and that is against kids at home or even at school. We don't like to talk about these things. It's sad. It's uncomfortable. But the fact is, it's reality. And my desire is that we can strengthen each other in these conversations, learn more, teach more, think more, and certainly talk more. The global conversation around sexual harassment is becoming stronger, and I'm finding some peace in that as we watch the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement grow. But I was floored recently to chat with a dear friend of mine about new statistics regarding our kids getting sexually harassed in school. It happens more than you think. I'd love to introduce my dear friend, Diana Flett. She's had a long, successful career in the military, and it is a beautiful role model and leader in our community around Fredericksburg, Virginia, Northern Virginia, and D.C., with her program Girl Smarts designed for young girls. Diana, I've worked with you in many arenas and I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here and thank you for that really nice introduction. It really you makes me feel You really good. are a role model thank in you. our community and we absolutely love having uh, an opportunity to work with you in any in any capacity. The Outcast podcast is supported by Richmond to DCHelpWanted.com. Most folks who work here love living here and that makes a difference. At Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com, they're proud to work the hometown advantage around the clock, connecting local employers to local job seekers. Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com makes it easy to post a job and it's local, so you won't get spammed by faraway job seekers. And if you're looking for a good local job, search jobs and apply online right now. Get the advantage of finding a job close to home at Richmond to DC HelpWanted.com. Local jobs that work. This is a big topic. It's a heavy topic. But the conversation that you and I had regarding these uh, statistics and, and some studies that you've been around recently, just astounding about how many kids are saying, yes, I've been sexually harassed in school, just broke my heart, shocked me in some ways and, and then not in others at the same time. Yeah, you know, I always try and update my research when I'm going to come talk to you, Dee, because there's so much that goes out there. And I think part of the brand of Girl Smarts is to keep on the top of the most current research. So I was really kind of interested when I saw a headline about Dorothy Espelon. She's a PhD that works down at University of Florida. I follow her work a lot because she does a lot of very well-researched things on bullying and she went and did a subset research um, program from I think it was 2013 forward um, and she found that 43 percent of middle school students reported that they'd been the victims of verbal sexual harassment and received things like sexual comments or jokes or gestures during the the years that they were in middle school and to me, that number is just off the hook in terms of the impact it's having, not just girls, I mean, girls and boys, and kind of the level of ripples that's going to send 
into their adulthood. I think I wouldn't have maybe been as surprised if I if I would have read that and it said, you know, girls uh, in high school and middle school. But th- this was just specifically talking about middle school aged girls saying, you know, yes, I have experienced this. Yeah, she followed 1300 kids and she followed them actually through middle school and into high school. So she got samplings all along that process of development. And she found that the kind of harassment that we're discussing peaks in about seventh grade. Um, it starts to show itself at the end of fifth grade and then starts to peak in seventh grade. And then she starts to see that it gets a little bit um, more dissipated as she the kids get into the high school years. I can see why this certainly piqued your interest. I mean, Girl Smart's dealing with that specific age group as well, mm-hmm. uh, middle right. school and fifth grade. And, and you you know, obviously, if the peak is at seventh grade, and and we're starting to see this, you know, fester a little bit in the fifth grade, it's it's shocking, but at the same time, not because I realize that we constantly face this struggle of where should the education fall? Should it fall in the school system, in the programs that are available in the school system? Should it fall solely on the parents? Should we even be having this conversation at school in a program? I realize these are these are the questions where we're always trying to find where the black and white is with this. It is kind of gray, and some mm-hmm. parents completely say, no, I would rather you not talk about sexual harassment in, in school or uh, in a program that's affiliated with school it's all up to us at home but some kids are not getting that at right. home and right. and never get that at home right so what do you do in those cases i realize this is a very gray area but it is and i have to say that we don't address a topic of sexual harassment although i've been discussing with my facilitators opening up that opportunity for perhaps a sixth grade discussion or if the parents are willing to have it in a fifth grade discussion um but i would certainly pull them before we ever approach this but i want to emphasize that sexual harassment is a form of bullying and unfortunately we don't often address it in school policies as a form of bullying. It's kind of um, meshed over and not really considered as a separate entity. And sexual harassment protection is covered under Title IX, just like all the other um, safety nets that Title IX provides. Protection against sexual harassment is meant to be a part of that discussion. Right. In fact, I think it was last year or two years ago that um, this state, anyway, sent out a, or maybe it was the Department of Education, but they sent out a reminder to school saying, hey, we want you to remember that sexual harassment training and perspectives need to be lent to kids that are experiencing that in your schools um, because they they saw that it was kind of slipping slipping under the radar so. and, and i'm imagining for that exact reason because it is a touchy subject it is, yeah. and it is something that you know some people are super uncomfortable with their kids having that discussion I, I can only think where I would be with my kid, where I would where I wanted to be when I was a kid. I can mm-hmm. only think about those two scenarios and say to myself, I wish I would have had some better training when I was a kid. I wish somebody at school would have said, hey, reminder here, it's not okay, right. you know, for someone to come into your space or touch you inappropriately. It right. is, it's not okay. And you can say no. And here's how you could possibly do it. 
so I can only think of it from that perspective. I'm sure that you probably run into parents who have the same same sort of thought and worry. Oh, absolutely. And honestly, these are incredibly difficult conversations to have one-on-one with your kids. I mean, it, it really can be outside of your comfort zone because when I was raised, we didn't have these kinds of conversations. I don't even have kind of a model to follow in terms of how to have these conversations. But I do know that when my sons were transitioning from fifth to sixth grade, I purposefully sat and conversed with them over and over again about these topics because I didn't want their education to take place in the back of the school bus. Yeah. And I think by the time we get into fifth grade that those sorts of things are starting to occur, those conversations are being raised clearly on the media and the current um, environment that we're in today. Mm -hmm. There's lots of words even on the news that I would not really care to have my children exposed to. Um, But if we don't deliberately and with a sense of intent teach our children what's out of bounds, they will not learn. This is really great conversation. And then like I mentioned at the beginning, we will be having a two part uh, conversation about sexual harassment. And this first, I really wanted to cover uh, kids and some of these studies that Diana brought to my attention. Um, and, and we've just had some really good conversations, Diana, uh, regarding this. And, and I feel like these are the conversations that need to be heard, that, that parents need to hear, that schools need to hear, that administration, people that make decisions and, and that bring in programs that they need here one of the things that you have uh, mentioned at the at the beginning here is this particular study um, from Illinois and the 1300 kids from the middle school to high school uh, and examining all of that and what what they said 43 percent said yes right you know I have experienced this right one part of that is also this other statistic that I wanted to talk about it, does it seem that a lot was more verbal harassment as opposed to physical harassment, I, I know the breakdown is there too in that particular study. Yeah, sure. I mean, verbal harassment was certainly common um, and and more common than physical or sexual harassment or sexual assault, really, in some cases. But 21% of the students reported that they had been touched or grabbed or pinched, and 18% said that peers had brushed up against them. I can tell you that even with fifth grade girls, they're very conscious of their development, mm-hmm. and, you know, they... They don't want it to be a point of conversation. And I mean, not just development, but lack of development. Yes. Um, But those conversations are starting to feel their way into, I mean, you know, the kids are going through puberty in in fifth and sixth, seventh and eighth grades. So I understand the advent of those sorts of things. But again, unless we start to put boundaries on what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, what's respectful and what's not a a respectful response, then we can really let kids start to define their own boundaries. And that is not a good plan. That's dangerous. It is dangerous. It really is because it leaves a lot of gray area. And maybe you don't as and I know I didn't. So I'm not even gonna say maybe I don't feel like uh, I didn't have it at that age. And I don't feel like kids have it at that age. Still, when you don't have those tools behind you to know how to communicate necessarily the way you want to communicate in a very tense uncomfortable and awkward and inappropriate situation you don't know necessarily what to do so we have to I feel like give them the tools to know okay scenario one if this were to happen right how would you handle it how could you handle it let's play this out you know as as an adult to your child or from whatever program your kid might be in I I hope that conversation is is 
you know, empowering the girl uh, or the boy to be able to handle that situation. And I think, I mean, the kids want to learn the boundaries. I mean, they don't want to be disrespectful to other people. I I can tell you that I had one son that at one point on a, on a, in a team football game or something that they were doing out at research, at, uh, Recess, I'm sorry, this was out in elementary school, Mm -hmm. made a disrespectful comment to a girl saying that he didn't want her on the team because she wasn't as good as the boys. Well, we found out about that because the young lady got, you know, emotional about it. And um, he, we had a very specific conversation with him about what it is to be part of a team, what it is to be a good person, and what it is to not be disrespectful to other people. And it was immediate and there were some consequences including a face-to-face apology to the young lady for his um his careless words but we have to start teaching boys and girls Mm -hmm. that words count at that age and in fact one of our workshops is words count because it can be very easy off the lips and it can become part of someone's own personal pain when you're not careful about those things i that is so true diana Mm -hmm. i remember so there are so many moments from my middle school years my high school years i remember vividly still to this day Mm -hmm. words that came from someone in a moment of just carelessness like you just mentioned i'm not sure they intentionally meant to be so destructive to me but i remember them still to this day which should be proof, you know, to say, hey, these these words will cut right through. They yeah, really and I will. like what you said about you're not sure if it was intentional. But mm-hmm. my point to the boys has always been I want it to be intentional that you don't do that. Yes. And that is a whole different perspective on how to look at that word. He didn't mean anything by it. She didn't really mean it. Blah, blah, blah. All those little excuses that can come into play. You have to be intentional to not use words in a negative way towards someone else. Our topic for this episode and for the next episode on the podcast is sexual harassment. And my guest is my dear friend, Diana Flett. And we are talking about this. Uh, study that um, came from Dr. Dorothy Espelage Mm -hmm. uh, from the University of Florida. 43% of middle school students reported they had been victims of verbal sexual harassment, uh, sexual comments, jokes, gestures over the prior year. Very interesting study that we're we're talking about. I wanted to dive, Diana, a little bit more into that. You know, I'm and I would think parents are, are likely having this thought process as well. Where is this happening in school? What What is going, is this happening in the classroom? Is this happening, like you mentioned, maybe out at a sports event outside? Where is this going on? Yeah, so as you would imagine, 22%, 23% of it is taking place in the hallways um, because that's a very unsupervised area, lots of crushes of people. That's true. You know, back and forth. Um, but it was really closely followed by about 21% happening in the classrooms. Mm. And that's, of course, a little bit disconcerting it and I'm is. sure parents think well why wasn't why weren't the teachers you know on top of that and I, I'm just here to tell you teachers are there to teach and I know from my experience of being able to pass notes when I wanted to or sneak a potato chip into my mouth when I wanted to or have a quick conversation teachers if a kid wants to do something yeah they're going to find a way to do it so I am not throwing teachers under the bus here um, really this kind of social correction is something we need to start at home 
and have the benefit be in the classrooms, not the responsibility for changing it be in the classrooms. That's so true. And, you know, my mom's a teacher, my sister's a teacher, and I can't tell you how many times they have said to me, the things that go on that they, even though they're standing right there in the classroom all day, the things that go on kids are sneaky right it's just you have this this self-protection i want to be a little rebellious and a little sneaky thing going on as a kid listen we all had it yeah Uh, i passed notes i did you know silly things Mm -hmm. as a kid so i mean kids are sneaky and especially i feel like now if they want to get away with you know looking at their phone and taking their phone into school even though it's not allowed they get it in there yes they do absolutely and i don't think i think as soon as we capture something happening that we know is out of bounds we have to correct it Mm. and i don't mean to like you know go overboard necessarily but there has to be some uncomfortable conversing between parents and kids and teachers and kids and principals and kids just letting them know this isn't going to work here this isn't going to fly here we respect all our students and you need to knock it off we are talking about sexual harassment and specifically about kids and sexual harassment on this episode um i i thought it was very interesting about uh just some some really interesting parts and and sad and shocking parts of uh of this study and some things that have come out that i thought we should we should converse a little bit about obviously we want to empower our kids you know we want to give them information education in the right ways the tools that they need to deal with these situations a lot of the incidents that were reported and and were covered in this study I noticed that some of the kids, obviously, when they reported the incident, that that had been the incident in some cases had been dismissed right. and not taken seriously. That makes me really sad. Yeah, me too. And it's especially true for the girls. Um, and surprisingly, because, you know, social ro- roles are changing and maybe even because they're changing, the victims of the behaviors are, are kind of staying quiet because they're saying, oh, it was meaningless. It was just a joke. They're kind of taking that sense of empowerment as not complaining about these inappropriate gestures but of course it still impacts them i mean they've got to be feeling the outcome of all those i call them little microaggressions Mm -hmm. or micro shaping that causes um, girls particularly to not make a big deal about inappropriate touches not make a big deal about inappropriate comments because they don't want to draw the attention to themselves I feel like and and I I I you and I agree on so many things so I feel like we're probably similar in our thoughts on this but I feel like as a society as a culture over many 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 years we have normalized these conversations. We have. And that's the problem is if you do normalize these types of behaviors then you dull the response yeah. to those behaviors right. and you dull the prevention. Yeah. The old, you know, boys will be boys mm-hmm. mentality, girls will be girls mentality. That is not protecting our children to form in a way that supports their self-esteem and their self-empowerment. And I, I feel like I, I, I love what's happening with the Me Too movement. I love right. what's happening with the Time's Up movement. I love the empowerment that's happening around that. I'm a little afraid, and I, I don't know if maybe I'm just just feeling the fear behind it, but I'm a little afraid our, the, the abuses to our kids 
are getting lost in those big adult movements sometimes. Right. I, right. I'm afraid of that. And I feel like sometimes the kids still aren't feeling as empowered as they could. They're, they're seeing great things happen. And I hope that the parents are talking to them about what is happening, what it means, what what Me Too means. I hope right. the kids know what it means. And it's not just like showing up or it's not become the, the butt of a joke somewhere because we've heard it so many times now right. Right. Uh, or what Time's Up means. I, I hope that, that we are not losing sight of empowering our kids still in this process. Well, and that's, again, going to take a deliberate conversation so that you can explain to your kids what the Me Too movement's all about, what the Time's Up uh, movement is all about, allow even the Lean In movement. You know, I mean, part of the reason I started Girl Smarts was because I thought waiting until girls were 21 or 22 to lean in was too late. Mm. That we needed to start to look at elementary school age girls when a girl's self-esteem peaks at age nine and start to reinforce who she is so that she could start to lean in now. And that those are those are deliberate actions. Again, I know I keep saying the word deliberate, but if we don't force ourselves to have these conversations about Me Too and Time's Up on both sides of it. I mean, we certainly, I'm, I'm floored by some of the conversations that talk about how, oh, well, now I can't even hold a door open for a woman. I mean, we all have got to know the difference between holding the door open for someone who may need to, you know, you're being polite to or whatever, and touching them inappropriately of course i mean there's no need to equalize those as far as the impact you know when i was in the military it was standard procedure that if you were junior to the person you were with you held the door open for Mm -hmm. them i was routinely holding the door open for for senior officers Um, and if they said to me no please go first then i would say thank you sir and i'd walk through first but i had no expectation of that occurring nor did i see it as some huge subordination of who i was as a person Mm -hmm. so i think that those the the equal power and equal strength given to those conversations is really out of bounds i think we're talking about sexual harassment and involving our kids and a very powerful discussion with my friend Diana Flett and her program is called Girl Smarts. I do want to mention really quickly though as we uh, talk about Girl Smarts for a second a fantastic program that is doing so well. How old is Girl Smarts now? It's been around for... Yeah, you know we started with 24 girls in 2009 but it was an all volunteer program. My husband finally saw the checks I was continually writing for the the volunteering (laughs) that I was doing he said, hey, you know I love the fact that we're doing this but we're going to have to figure out a way for it to maybe be financially supportive of itself and so 2014 is when we started to really expand the program in a way where we were you know allowing it to pay for itself and so gosh it's been a long time but we went from 24 girls and this year by the end of this year um, 893 attendees to the the series of workshops we've got 12 workshops now we go all the way up to Fairfax County Um, we've done programs as far south as Richmond so the impact is wide and the impact is significant. And, and it shows you how much the need is oh there, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And it shows me really how much the girls want to have conversations about these things so that they can get tools to support a response. Not because they feel like, you know, nobody's out there to build this huge empire of feminism or anything like right, that. Right, right. It's really just to have frank conversations in a same-sex environment with the young ladies so that they can come up with tools to respond and I, uh, I also love that you're expanding to do some programs for boys yeah we're just getting started with that I'm excited about it um, I call it character connectors we've got a summer camp that's running for character connectors this summer if anybody's interested it's a boy girl program but I think we're gonna start to work on really um, 
you know, workshops for just for boys because that same sex environment has been proven over and over again to be a positive way to facilitate more in-depth conversations um so i think we're going to start to look at that as well that's awesome yeah that is yeah. so so awesome i wanted to talk a little bit about because i think this is so powerful and i don't want us to, to run out of time before we can talk oh, about is there almost I, time I, I i know we're, we're getting close <laughs> these are how our conversations go diana we, we, we just keep on <laughs> we just chat 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 mm-hmm. um i i wanted to talk a little bit about um something that i think is so much of a powerful conversation we have seen a lot of of talk and a lot of even studies regarding young girls being forced to hug a relative, yeah. forced to hug a stranger, forced to hug someone. Maybe they gave them a gift yeah. forced. And, and I've been there. I was there as a child. Sure. I'm sure we all have a story about a family member, maybe even that we were not necessarily wanting to have a hug, uh, but maybe our parents or, or whoever was with us at the time said, oh, no, honey, you go you go hug them for that. You say thank you for and this is how you do it. And if you have to do it in a physical way. This is interesting because I feel like this can be very detrimental. Yeah, again, I think it's one of those little micro formation things that we're doing that we, if we don't think about it, we wouldn't even consider being formation moments. But even the Girl Scouts came out in 2017 and said, hey, look, don't force your your girls to necessarily hug somebody because they gave you a gift. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't expect a physical interaction like that to be a response to someone being nice to you or being kind to you. Um, If you think about it, if you have someone walk into the house and and it's a relative or whoever and you say, Jimmy, give him a hug. Susie, uh, I'm sorry, Jimmy, shake his hand. Susie, give him a hug. Then you kind of are already sending a different physical response to situations of meeting people um and i i you know i'm going to share this with you and god rest his soul he's gone but i had a a family friend that was friendship to the point of being called uncle okay i have those yeah 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 and um whenever we had we didn't see him often but when we did we would go to give him a kiss and he would turn his lips to the Mm. mouth kiss which is already kind of ew right yes but then he would put his tongue in our mouths (gasps) and it was so emotionally disruptive i mean look my sister and i used to laugh about it because like we thought it was funny you know but it was gross yes you know we finally talked to our parents and said hey look we're not doing that anymore Uh, (laughs) yeah i mean i don't care we can kiss cheeks or whatever but it was a point of avoiding this man and i don't know if he thought it was an appropriate thing to do or i i can't imagine that he did but it it was it was just icky yes you know yes so i do think that we have to certainly teach all of our children how what appropriate physical contact is and is not um and i know this sounds so over the top because we're thinking oh so now my daughter can't give her aunt Susie a hug no that's not what i'm that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is talk to her and make sure she's okay with giving aunt Susie a hug exactly you know and if not as a parent step in between and say hey look you know or or Susie, this is you know aunt and Ronalda, mm-hmm. you know, um, say hi, right? You know, and teach them how to shake hands. How many girls I have met that have never been taught how to shake hands? That's one of the first things that we do. I had a little girl in the program, and we were talking about things that they used and not used in terms of skills for girl smarts. And she said that they had a, a plumber come into the 
um, house to do some work over spring break and um, the mom introduced the son and um, they shook hands the plumber and the son and that when she went over after she was introduced he started to give her the high five and she said oh no and she put her hand out there to shake hands very he nice commented on the handshake you know wow so, yeah and and see deep to me that is empowerment it is you know and having that strength she was an itty bitty little girl too having that strength to choose yes yourself yes it's like you know ordering your own meal at a restaurant if you have that ability to do those things and make your choices then you realize that your voice counts and your choice counts someone uh, brought up to me and I, I have not read the book yet but it sounds like a very interesting book and I'm interested in finding out more about it and I believe it's called the gift of fear oh, and yes. mm -hmm. and and I haven't read it yet but I I'm so interested in it but one example from that that I feel like we're talking about exactly right now to teach your kids in these moments when they have this gut instinct of something not feeling right or right. something not feeling comfortable if 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 uh, at a later uh, time you know even as adults we get into uncomfortable situations and sometimes we're afraid to act on that and and we don't know how uh, and we don't know what to do and sometimes we freeze look I've been there right but for example uh, in the book I know the author gave the example of getting into an elevator and you being all of a sudden feeling like the person I'm in the elevator with is making me uncomfortable mm -hmm. I don't feel right mm -hmm. instead of then getting off at the next floor instead of thinking well I, I can do that I'm an adult right. and I, I'm in a situation and I can do that you out of out of some obligation or thought of I'm going to be rude you you ride the elevator past where your gut tells you right. I should should not be on here right. and I realize it, that is is what we're talking about giving our kids that knowledge of feel that gut instinct know where and have to have that choice the right. power behind that choice to be able to say i'm not feeling like this is appropriate right and and being able to not worry about being polite yes you know especially when it comes to adult child relationships having the ability to say i don't want to do this no i'm not going to do this and being able to walk away from it and having it overwhelm the oh you're so sweet you're so nice you're so cute blah 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 and and that fear of not of being impolite can yes. sometimes quell that uh, gift of fear i think de becker is the one that wrote that i think book. so yeah. too that sounds right yeah. to me and, and i am super interested in reading that book mm -hmm. now um before we, we close off i do want to mention a lot of uh, parents i know that you have worked with with a lot of parents in in so many uh of your workshops and uh, dealing with these girls when parents say, okay, I need to have a better conversation with my kids. I need to have a more open conversation. I want to make sure we're having the right conversations. What do you suggest how yeah. that should go and the topics that they should maybe cover? Right. I think it's a little bit different with boys and girls. I know sure. that in my experience with my boys, I, it, I've had better conversations with them when we were engaged in doing something, whether that was writing to... Uh, soccer practice where there wasn't direct contact eye to eye which can sometimes make them uncomfortable in already uncomfortable conversations building a Lego set um, I would suggest it starts early you know my kid in preschool came home one day and he said mommy I kissed Susie today and I said 
what does that mean you kissed Susie today? And we went through the conversation. Well, it turns out she was leaving and everybody was giving her hugs and kisses. But I immediately started the conversation back and said, Danny, we know that we don't kiss anybody unless we're invited to have a little peck on the cheek or something like that. That's And that's in preschool. So the conversations have to revolve about everything from sexual harassment to sexual identity. Um, they, they have to be able to parents have to be able to see their kids transitioning into sexual beings. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to recognize that they're going through puberty and have the conversations associated with appropriate and inappropriate perspectives on that. We've got to talk about hormones and Mm -hmm. attractions, um, feelings, especially with boys, allowing them to talk about being sad. My poor son, Dan, just lost one of his good friends in a car accident oh his my. name he's a his name was kyle he's a beautiful young man um and i am so thankful that dan is strong enough to cry oh that's wonderful you know his yes. ability to get those feelings out to tell me mom i'm having a bad day i need to talk about it that is when that young man is at his strongest yes to me. yes and when we empower our boys to have those kinds of conversations we stop all this hyper masculinity that has to you know they have to own up to something to be a man kind of thing um, I'm telling you my my husband has set the right example for that and I hope I have as well in terms of being honest about who we are and what we're feeling I I always uh, the stories I hear about you and your boys uh, I'm always so and your husband I'm, I'm just always so appreciative and grateful that those kinds of conversations open communication is happening that's the kind of stuff I mean that's what we should be presenting to other other people encouraging other parents to have these conversations I know it is uncomfortable to think about your child as a growing into a sexual being or having but don't you want to have that conversation before something happens that they don't know how to deal with it yeah you know that according to my book of leadership communication is the number one quality that strong leaders are able to master effective communication and you know we are leaders of our families and even if we don't see ourselves as taking the hit or being the CEO of a company, if we can provide the leadership through positive and open and effective communications back and forth with our children, then we are going to guide them through. You know, I, I say that when children are born, we're helping them grow away. Yeah. And that's exactly where this starts and where this should finish in terms of their adulthood. We should become their resource and their coach to navigating things that we've already navigated. Powerful stuff. I'm, I'm going to put it out in the universe that I'm pretty sure you need to write a book. Uh. So <laughs> I hope that is on your to-do that. list <laughs> somewhere because yeah. right I want to read clean it. The house thing, right? I, right, exactly, exactly. Uh, Girl Smarts, obviously a huge program, as well as uh, I know you're starting some new things uh, for programs for boys as well. But tell everybody where they can find you. Thanks. Yeah, if you go to girlsmarts.com, Um, then you can get a sense of what our programs are. We're able to come up um, as far north as the state manages. Um, And we've got some summer programs running this summer. Um, So please take a look. We'll come to you and we'll start to work and empower your girls um, so that tomorrow is going to be easier on all of us. I love what you do and I love what you stand for, Diana. And it's always a pleasure. Thank you, Dee. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by the host and guests on this podcast are their own and not necessarily those of Centennial Broadcasting.